John LeBon here with impromptu chat number nine. This is part one of a two-part upload. Originally broadcast live on November 2, 2016 via my John LeBon Extra channel, I'm releasing it now on November 4, 2016, two days later, in MP3 format as is my custom with impromptu chats. The show has been divided into two parts for two reasons. One, three hours is, in my opinion, a little bit on the long side for a podcast, especially one featuring a range of concepts and ideas which each deserve full attention of the listener. And two, the final third of the show goes in a very different direction to what came before. What you're about to listen to is, for me personally, one of the most important and insightful live conversations in which I've had the pleasure of taking part. We're all here to learn, or at least that's what we all tell ourselves. Sometimes it helps to reflect on what has come so far in order to put our journey as individuals and as a collective into focus and into perspective. My first foray into the YouTube conspiracy scene was in late 2014. At that time, I believed in and considered myself to be part of what some people term the truth movement. A lot has happened in the roughly two years since. What have I learned in that time? What have you learned in that time? And what have we, insofar as there is a we, learned in that time? Whether or not you consider yourself to be part of a movement, and whether you've been following my work since I first began producing content, or have never even heard of me, I think you'll get something beneficial out of the following conversation. This is because I personally got plenty out of taking part in the conversation myself. As you'll hear for yourself, I was putting some pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together as the conversation was being broadcast live on the air. I recommend that no matter who you are or what you believe, you listen with an open but critical mind. Of course, by critical, I don't mean negative or cynical. A critical mind is one which employs the critical thinking faculties in its possession to properly understand, consider, and scrutinize the ideas and information with which it is being presented. So, without further ado, here is part one. Enjoy. John LeBon here on Wednesday, the 2nd of November, 2016, with impromptu chat number nine. And boy, oh boy, am I looking forward to this one. I've got with me a very special guest who has been in this scene for as long as I have, if not longer, and even though we've come at it from slightly different perspectives, I think we've both seen a number of patterns re-emerge just in the last six or 12 months that we've seen in the past. And so my hope today is that by having a bit of an impromptu chat with my old mate, Cognitive Dissonance, aka Timmy Osman, you in the audience will get some of an idea of what has been happening in the last couple of years and what we can learn from it as individuals and maybe as a collective. So without further ado, I will introduce my special guest for Impromptu Chat number nine, Cognitive Dissonance, a.k.a. Tim Osmond. Take yourself off mute and say hello to the listeners. Hello, John. Hello, listeners. Uh, yeah, pretty much probably everybody knows me as the, uh, you know, truth or troll or the flat earth troll or wherever you met me from. But basically, uh, I've been in the so-called truth community for quite a long time. Definitely September 11th changed my life uh, quite a bit. I think I figured that out probably around 2005, 2006. Uh, I guess that was around this time when uh, YouTube kind of started to sprout up around 2008 or so. But um, they're, they're kind of sprouted a truth community and um, 
basically uh, you had quite a few characters and um, a lot of ego and, but you know, what we thought as truth at the time was definitely portrayed in a way that uh, made us, you know, not only believe it, but kind of adopt it in our day to day. So looking back two, three years now, um, a lot of the things that I thought I knew or that I, from these people really, um, I've kind of recently come into question uh, just because of, you know, other things that they've said and other things that have, you know, set them off. And, re and really you kind of see what kind of characters you're dealing with uh, when they are challenged by, you know, say trolls or just uh, descent of any kind. So anyway, uh, yeah, I met obviously you, John, back when we were uh, in the uh, so-called truth movement, which back in the day, I guess probably about two years ago, almost to the day or even before, uh, was a, a lot hinged on uh, a guy named Jeff C. He had, you know, most of the most of the uh, subs out of most people, um, I think is not New World Agenda, but uh, Free Radio Revolution at the time. We, yeah, we were a part of that, John, and uh, it was an interesting time then. Learned a lot about, uh, you know, people's interaction on the internet and mostly the conspiracy realm, I definitely would have to say, but yeah. Well, you've touched on a few things there. We did uh, first cross paths a couple of years ago, you're quite right. And so my hope today is that we can kind of take people on a little bit of a journey through what we've seen in the couple of years that we've been here. So what we'll do is we'll give you a chance to give people a bit of an idea of how you got into this originally and what it was that motivated you when you first got to this scene, how you found it, how you started interacting with it. Then we'll talk about that truth movement, as you mentioned, the hoax-busting truth movement, which was centered around, as you said, Jeff C of Free Radio Evolution and a number of other interesting characters, the way that that so-called movement built up, then the way that it imploded uh, quite dramatically and live on the air, in many cases in front of people, then we'll segue into this more recent phenomenon of what they call the flat earth movement and not so much to talk about the shape of the earth because that is a very tired and boring conversation, but more the sociological aspects that we've seen as a result of this growing on YouTube and the similarities that we see or that I see and that maybe you see as well between the hoax busting movement and the flat earth movement. And then we'll move into some related topics such as who are the people who are involved in all of this? What is it that leads them to come here? And then who preys on these people? The idea of money for truth or donations and these sorts of things. All of these ideas are tying together and they're all related because once you understand that television is not telling you the truth necessarily or your textbooks are not telling you the truth, where do you go? Who can you turn to? For many people, they turn to the YouTube truth movement and there are so many different characters involved in all of this. Some of us agree on some things. Some disagree on some things. Tim and myself disagree on many things. And we've even had little run-ins in the past. But my hope is that today, over the next hour or so, we can share with the audience our perspectives so that hopefully, Tim, they can learn from our mistakes. And hopefully we can show that we've learned from our mistakes as well. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right, man. Well, we'll start off. The first thing I'd like to do is just give you a chance to explain to people who you are and what you do. Because I think many people, their first interactions, well, this is how we are as humans our first interaction with someone will oftentimes cloud or filter the way that we perceive every other interaction we have with them. So if somebody's first interaction with you, Tim, is they see you trolling one of their favorite YouTube e-celebrities, they'll assume that you're a bad person. And then even if you do good work or make 
sensible comments later, they won't be seeing it for what it is. They'll their vision will be clouded by what's come before. So let's put everything from the past aside for a moment. Why don't you just explain to people who you are and in your mind what it is that you've been trying to do or what you're trying to do now in this conspiracy YouTube realm? Uh, yeah, well, it's it's definitely morphed over time. Um, I Like I said, I was in it at the beginning because I saw a lot of inconsistencies with, uh, the nine 11 official conspiracy or the, well, yeah, the nine 11 official conspiracy theory, uh, that really didn't make sense to me. So, um, I definitely was turned on to a lot of things, um, at that point. But as far as me, I'm kind of just kind of a typical dude with too much time on his hands, probably that found the conspiracy corner of YouTube. Um, mostly because of nine 11, like I said, but yeah, I just, you know, I'm, I'm just a guy with probably too much time on his hands. And I, I kind of, you know, kind of thought it was funny to, uh, make people laugh in different ways. And it, it kind of, it kind of morphed into more of a hateful thing when the, the flat earth sprout about, but yeah. Okay. So I'm about, uh, well, I'm almost 30 years old, actually. I've got less than 12 months of my twenties left. And, uh, I understand you're about the same age as I am now, many people by the time they're our age, they have careers or they have families that keep them very busy. If you don't have one of those two things, you can find yourself with a lot of time on your hands. And one of the criticisms you get, Tim, is that you spend too much time uh, doing this kind of stuff to just be doing it for free, to be doing it for fun. Even in the live chat as we speak right now, people are suggesting this. How can Tim have so much time <laughs> to go around and troll so many chats? How do you respond to that? Um, because I really, uh, don't have a job actually. It's not that I, I've been called everything. I mean, I've, I've been called, uh, every, for two years now, uh, FBI, CIA. Now, you know, Jeff Stewart saying I'm a, uh, Patricia Steers top FBI or CIA troll. And, uh, basically I learned how to hustle when I was young and, um, different things kind of excite me. Like just, the other day, I bought five uh, 50cc scooters. Um, I sell them, and I'll probably fix one up for myself. So, I mean, I do this with bicycles. I do this with pretty much anything that I find that's interesting to me. So, really, <laughs> I, I don't. I you know, I, I kind of go with you on this whole um, this whole shill or uh, you know paid troll or you know this meme where basically I've been put in this box ever since the beginning, once I was, you know, showed any kind of dissent towards uh, the truth movement or, uh, you know, the flat earth movement or anything. So it's um, it's kind of an unforgiving, <laughs> unforgiving arena, I guess you could say. Yeah. And you think of the kind of people who are attracted to this scene in the first place, they're probably more likely to be what you might call conspiracy minded. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that because there are many proven conspiracies that all people should be aware of but at the same time it's very easy for them to start attaching to people like yourself and myself just regular youtubers this idea of nefarious intent and as we'll discuss later in the show there are some people in this scene who may well have nefarious intent but you as someone as a troll you attract that kind of uh, criticism me as a i guess a consistent skeptic who is happy to critique all sides of a debate I attract that kind of criticism. I'd say, Tim, it just comes with the territory being accused of being working for the CIA or the FBI or one of these agencies. If you can't handle people accusing you of things, you're in the wrong game. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that kind of ties in with some of the uh, flat earthers, you know, the top flat earthers that do catch a lot of flack and continue on with what they do. Kind of like Patricia Steer. I mean, you should, all the, the nonsense that's said about her without any kind of factual basis at all is, uh, it's crazy. And people, you know, you get one, 2,000 people that watch this and, you know, maybe that is conflated, but either way, you know, there's no retraction of her. There's no, you know, this was wrong information. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've never been taken seriously. And and really I put myself in that position to, to begin with on purpose. I don't show myself. I don't, that's all on purpose because yeah, when you, when you do become a dissenter in some of these people's eyes, um, they do become very uh, vitriolic and, you know, who knows what can happen at that point. Yeah. And I think the word shill is almost synonymous with any other say religious belief system of demon or unbeliever, you know, people who go against the grain uh, in any, in any strong social environment, there tends to be a way to ostracize them, even with, a simple epithet, a simple term to decry that person and say, that person is not one of us, don't be like that person. And so if you're in certain religious contexts, it is simply, oh, he's an unbeliever or he's a heathen or he's an apostate, he's gone against us, we don't like that person, we don't want that person around us, don't be like that person. In this scene, in the conspiracy realm, it is shill. That person is a shill, he's working for the other side. Just as someone who goes against religion turns against a certain religion, he's now working for the enemy. He's working for the devil. Well, shill, it's got the same connotation. He's working for the other side. And I think it's a very easy way for some of the more prominent voices to deflect criticism. But it's also a very easy way for someone to, in their own mind, stop listening to someone who's saying things that they don't want to hear. So if they've got a strong belief in a certain YouTube personality and someone comes along and says, yeah, but look at this video from a year ago. They said something completely different. It's much easier in uh, certain people's minds to think to themselves, I don't want to listen to that person. That person's evil. And just put it out of their mind, then deal with the fact that many of these leading YouTube personalities do flip-flop on their positions. They contradict themselves. They make claims that can be disproven very easily time and time again. The people who bring this stuff up just accuse them of being a shill. Yeah, and it's funny because it comes from people that claim to be awake and really what it is is a case of tribalism it is the programming that we got all throughout our lives you know the uh chiefs versus broncos or the i mean pepsi versus coke all these different things to basically separate us and they fall right into that trap because you know they feel good uh no matter what it may pertain to uh, flat earth or any kind of hoax movement or anything like that. They, they feel good where they're at and they have their arbiter of truth. And basically anybody who goes against the grain is, is the enemy. And I do believe that that's just the trap that, you know, is part of the programming that they don't even realize that they haven't deprogrammed yet. Yeah. And I think for me personally, one of the big things that I've learned in the two years or so that I've been here is how people operate, how I, as a human, how my psyche tends to work how most people's psyches tend to work. And so, yeah, I've learned interesting things about certain media fakery events or about certain scientism hoaxes or frauds, and maybe we can discuss those later in the show. But something I've learned that I think is more useful to me is how easy it is for all of us to get on a certain train of thought and then not deviate. So once someone has it in their mind that they've got the truth, 
then anyone who goes against the feelings that they get from believing they've got the truth becomes an enemy. And I think we've all been guilty of it. It might just be a natural part of the human condition, but it's something that I've learned that I could only have learned in this scene to see seemingly intelligent people who seem to be here for the right reasons. Still, when certain things are said, get triggered emotionally. I've learned a lot about human psychology, and we'll be talking more about that later in the show. But I guess we've kind of covered this criticism of you, Tim, that you spend too much time here. At the same time, though, mate, like I, I'm doing a channel, I'm, I'm making videos, I'm trying to build a website, build up my own subscription base, etc. Are you just here for fun or do you still feel like you're learning from all of this? Uh, really, I've, I've cut back quite a bit, truthfully. Um, even when I went to San Diego almost nine months ago, like I, I pretty much stopped trolling. Um, you know, you don't see me on Mark Sargent or Patricia Steer really anywhere much of anymore at all. But um, what was the question? I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Matt. I'm just on mute there. Yeah. So what I'm asking you is, I mean, for me, I try to justify the amount of time that I spend paying attention to some of these characters because I think to myself, well, this might be useful in a future video that I make or in a future hangout that I do. I try and justify it to myself as in, well, I'm using some of this information in a way that's beneficial for me and hopefully for others. But for you as someone who doesn't make many videos, is it, are you just purely here for like for fun? Is it, is it entertainment? What is it that drives you to spend as much time as you do paying attention to so many of these people on YouTube? Yeah, uh, I guess, sorry about that. Yeah. You know, like I said, I pretty much stopped, um, just because really once you've seen, you know, any of these shows, you've pretty much seen them all. They're very, very stale material. So, um, you know, I think maybe a, a part of me wanted to see, uh, maybe the truth, the so-called truth community somewhat come back together and actually, uh, progress and do something and not just be a bunch of hot air and just talking on shows all day, just actual, actual, uh, you know, feet to pavement kind of movements. And, uh, and it seems like that's kind of a futile thing to do at this point because it's happened before and they've co-opted them and, um, you know, they turn them violent or, or whatever. So it's to, to me nowadays, it's, it's basically pointless truthfully because the people that say that they're awake are most definitely probably more asleep than uh, people watching the news. So what you're saying is that you did have the intention of trolling for truth, of getting people to uh, reassess what they were doing in the hope that they'd improve it. Now you've come to the position that there might not actually be that much hope. Maybe we can elucidate that over the course of the show as we talk about some of the things that we've both seen, starting with that Jeff C. Truth uh, movement, if you like, this hoax-busting community that was online. Now, some of the people who will listen to this will be familiar with it, but I'll give an overview for those who aren't. Back in 2014, maybe the early to the mid part of 2014, there were a couple of big channels on YouTube who used to break down media, what I call media fakery, things like Boston bombings, Sandy Hook, the Aurora Batman shootings, the Elliot Roger one as well was quite big as well. So these sorts of events in the media, there were a number of channels anywhere from a couple thousand to maybe 50,000 subscribers who would make videos saying that they don't believe the event for this reason or for that reason. And that was starting to get pretty popular. But then a few of them came together and said, we're going to do a weekly live show. And this was back when Google Hangouts was still a pretty new thing. I think they'd only been around for maybe a year or so at the time. There certainly went, weren't anywhere near as many live shows as we see today. This was a big deal. And so it was going to be a weekly show where a number of these people would get together and discuss a whole bunch of things. And not only that, 
they did it in uh, a rather fun style. They used to tell a lot of jokes and the live chat started to build. And before you knew it, they had uh, well over 100 people in the live chat, which at the time was unprecedented in this scene. And a lot of people, myself included, began to believe that this might be something that would grow because to us it was very obvious Boston bombings were fake. It was very obvious to us this was a big deal. It was a, a very important truth. It was only a matter of time before this got bigger and it seemed like something was really building. That was the first time I came across you there, Tim, was uh, when I was doing my own show that was related to all of this. And what we'll do is we'll pick it up from there. When did you first hear of the names Truth Media Revolution, Free Radio Revolution or PK Truth? <laughs> it's funny because I think it actually happened um, literally just from uh, Jeff C. Free, re, uh, free Radio Revolution. Um, I believe I was kind of perusing, you know how YouTube does with the up next kind of stuff. Uh, I think it, it definitely was 9-11 stuff. There was, there was a couple of years where, <laughs> or at least a year and a half where I didn't work and I, I literally was just watching uh 9-11 conspiracy like i i know like all the all the conspiracies it's it's ridiculous really but um anyway uh yeah where we met um over at free red revolution yeah i met him or you know i found him through uh related things and i think fairly shortly after that i found truth uh, media revolution and and then pk started to pop his head around those live shows that we were on and and he, you know, basically, yeah, it was, de it was definitely Jeff first. And, um, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it all unfolded from there, dude. All yeah. It. And so Jeff had this channel called free radio revolution. And, uh, a lot of people will try and tell me now that they can't stand his voice or this or that. The thing is at the time he was very popular and he brought something to the YouTube truth scene, if you like, that didn't really exist that much. And that was, someone who was articulate and who had a positive vibe discussing the fact that the TV was lying. You'll find many people on YouTube who have a, I guess, a bitter or a jaded disposition, but he brought a lot of energy to it. And I think that was one of the reasons why his channel was so popular. And so he was at the center of what became We'll Do It Live, which, as I said, was a weekly show. And for me, I found his channel, PK's channel, and Truth Media Revolution found all of them, I think, late 2013, early 2014. So I was uh, familiar with their channels. I watched their channels. And for me, when I found out they were doing this weekly show, I thought it was fantastic news. Now, at the time, I was a student. So I had whatever day it was that they were doing their show, I had the day off because Australia is about, I don't know, 16 hours ahead or something of the US. So I was able to listen live and I took part in a live chat. And I was very excited by the whole thing. I really believed that despite a few little flaws in, I guess, their presentation or some of their analysis, that the show that they were doing was going to be the start of something very special. Then uh, we noticed that there were some people trolling some of these live chats. One of them would dress up in a 9-11 was an inside job t-shirt and he would wear funny hats and he would join the hangouts. Uh, not We'll do it live because they had a closed hangout, but some of the peripheral shows that sprung up around We'll Do It Live and he'd start dancing on camera. Tim, do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that was kind of my debut. I ended up being pretty much on any, all, all of the shows, Max Resistance and Max Malone and ended up, I think, with Jeff C. at one point. But even Event Skeptic was with uh, the Whole Truth community 
you know, years ago and uh, him and truth undenied had a little interview with me, basically asking some of the questions that we talk about still to this day, one being, um, you know, money for truth. And um, I pretty much have the same uh, view as I did back then. But uh, yeah, I mean, we were all, we were all, uh, you know, two peas in a pod at one point. I would, uh, I was trolling, but like, you know, everybody, you know, was laughing and I wasn't getting banned or anything like that for, for most of that, that whole stint. And then, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess really, if you think about it back then, there was quite a lot to talk about. Um, it seemed like there were, you know, almost hoaxes every month, you know, and, um, they would, they would put on a show and, you know, kind of laugh at what, you know, supposed crisis actors and stuff like that. So it definitely was entertaining at the time and it definitely went sour, uh, pretty, pretty quickly, actually. Um, did you want to get into that, John? The, yeah, well, um, some of the similarities, just looking back now, because I'm enjoying just taking a trip back down memory lane because it's only two years, but in some ways it seems like a long time ago. We had the central show, which was We'll Do It Live, and a very similar one, which Jeff was also part of, called uh, Max Resistance, as you mentioned. So you had those two shows with closed hangouts that were basically presented to one degree or another, almost professionally in the sense of they were trying to present something that was uh, listenable to, to the viewers. Then you had a number of other hangouts that sprung up around them. So you mentioned the one with Truth Undenied, who was doing a show with that guy who used the comic book character as his avatar. Then you had uh, Event Skeptic and other people who would either do random or their own weekly shows. Of course, I did my own weekly show as well, the Australian Roundtable Podcast, a very different uh, kind of show, but along similar themes. So it was the same as what we've seen with the Flat Earth movement as well, the Flat Earth so-called movement, where you've got one or two central shows and then a whole bunch of peripheral ones that spring up. So you were trolling the peripheral ones. Obviously, it's hard to get onto one of the main shows. But at the time, you were saying that you believed in what they were doing. You just wanted to troll to get them to um, to up their game. Is that the basic idea? Uh, it's kind of a, my nature to try to find kind of light in things. Sometimes it may be somewhat of a darker humor or kind of a trolly humor. But I think that may have been from uh, just kind of uh, I, I used to play c- quite a bit of games, probably for about two years, and uh, I get pretty much all of them are kids that troll. So I don't know what it is, but uh, there is something to say about having a really strong troll against you because it really does make you have a thicker skin. It really does make you um, understand and realize that these things don't really matter at all these people don't really matter it's just text it's it's not you know it's not real life so um, a lot of people definitely don't understand that but um, I mean even you John I have I still have a couple of John LeBon accounts you know like you were getting you were getting trolled by me for quite a while me going to people's uh, you know comment section (laughs) saying just silly things (laughs) you know and you, the thing is, is you took it like a champ. You never really said anything. And I, I completely stopped because it's like the people um, that really get offended by it get attacked the most because they're obviously um, not very thick skinned. They need a lesson, basically. 
Yeah, and it was about this time that I started to realise what you were doing because there was another show called, uh, it, was, it was by Robert J. Morris. I forget what it was called, Save the Silly Humans or something. And what had happened was, and I didn't really understand this at the time, but what had happened was a whole bunch of people who didn't have anything better to do with their lives had found a topic where they could get an instant audience, maybe 10, 20, 50 live viewers, sometimes up towards 100. And so long as they occasionally spoke about the TV lying, they'd have an audience to listen to them. But that just became a platform for them to be like the regular schmoes that they were, talk about their own personal dramas, argue with one another, and basically lead like a reality TV life in front of an audience of 10, 20, 50, maybe 100 people. And a classic example of that was the Robert J. Morris show, who he's not here to defend himself, so I'm not going to attack him personally or anything like that. But I will say that his his live show that he was doing was complete and utter trash. And it was oftentimes filled with people who literally had nothing else in their life going for them other than the fact that they had these people they could talk to. And those were the kind of shows, Tim, that you seemed to troll the most. Uh, kind of. Uh, RJM, Robert J. Morris was uh, kind of an easy target because he was uh, drunk and he would just basically make an ass of himself. But um, I really... It, I guess you could say it's pretty indiscriminate, my trolling. And like I said, I've, I've pretty much stopped, pretty much. But uh, back then, I was just like, it was pretty full force. And yeah, those <laughs> those shows were trash, man. I mean, and it's funny how you put it, because we see similar things uh, even today with, um, I, you know, I, I don't want to be too disrespectful, but I mean, th- there are a lot of people that um, are underemployed, not employed, living with their parents. Um, don't have much money and uh, basically you know YouTube is their corner to to you know relieve stresses so um, the, the you know and, and also watch drama I mean the whole Jeff C uh, coming unglued with uh, uh, truth media was was I mean everybody should have grabbed popcorn at that point that was that was classic you know like I thought you were f- my friend and I mean it was just <laughs> oh it was just bad dude. <laughs> Yeah, and so, look, I I knew there were similarities between, let's just call them the hoax-busting community. I don't don't usually like using that term because there is a a guy called Chris Kendall. He does a show called Hoax Busting, which is very different to what these clowns are doing. But for the sake of brevity, let's just call the Jeff C. Truth Media Revolution that scene the hoax-busting scene. And then now we've got the more contemporary flat earth scene. I knew there were similarities between the two, and I've spoken about them before. But even just in the time that you and I have been chatting here for the last 20 or 30 minutes, some of the other similarities have become more clear to me as well. You've got your central show or maybe two central shows, your peripheral shows. The peripheral ones are filled with people who mean well, but as you say, many of them are either unemployed or underemployed. They've got a lot of time on their hands. They can afford to spend hours in hangouts. They're just like me and just like you and like all people listening. They're flawed people. Some of their flaws, though, uh, manifest themselves uh, pretty pretty sadly and dramatically live on the air with with other people who they pretend to their friends, but then someone says the wrong thing. They start having fights live on the air and the whole thing devolves into a mess. And I think we've seen a lot of that with the flat earth thing, especially over the last few months. So let's take it back. So we've looked at the start of the, the hoax busting movement, a few disparate channels who come together for a weekly show. Everything's going really well. They do 10, they do 20 shows. Everything's going fantastically well. The peripheral shows are getting trolled by you. Uh, the more that they respond to the trolling, the more you troll them. You're doing that for fun. 
people like me at that time, we still believe there is a genuine movement. We're trying our best to do the right thing and present information, what have you. So there's a bunch of different people who are here for different interests, but we all seem to agree that much of what TV says is lying to us. Uh, then uh, Jeffrey comes onto my show as a special guest, as does PK. By this stage, PK is a regular on the We'll Do It Live show. And by this stage, they're getting thousands of views a week, hundreds of live viewers. They seem to be doing pretty well. Some of the people involved in the whole scene, maybe not doing so well, but who really cares? They're not getting much of an audience. But then there's a gigantic event, Trans Asia, the GE235, the Taiwanese plane crash, or was it a plane crash, Tim? Tell us some of your thoughts looking back on that event. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where it all started, the, the Taiwanese plane crash. And uh, it's kind of funny because it's, you know, he did make the point at one time, which I somewhat do agree that, you know, what does this plane crash matter, um, you know, this far away? And uh, I, you know, wow, what a what a show that became after some people thought that it was a hoax and some people didn't. And uh, Jeff obviously didn't, just like the Flat Earth, uh, very vehemently opposed. And when Jeffrey's opposed with something, he's going to, uh, you know, call everyone shills, um, just get very emotional and just continue to believe like he is the arbiter of truth. Like he is the the last stop for where truth, uh, you know, departs. So it's, uh, it was, it was amazing. I, I literally, I remember you did a, uh, maybe a year show after that or something like that. I just got to San Diego. I guess that wasn't too long ago, but uh, yeah, it just, it, it completely fractured the movement at that point. I, I, you know, at this point, I think I, I, I feel like you, John, in that, you know, I, I, I have to almost say so-called truth movement or so-called movement because it, it really is a joke uh, to begin with, but, but it, it's it also isn't a movement. It's it's not. It's it's better than a bowel movement, maybe. But I mean, it literally goes nowhere. And um, yeah, just the uh, the videos for weeks after that from uh, Jeff, you know, just calling everybody idiots and shills, and um, the complete devolution of his channel at that point. I think me and a bunch of the trolls got his his main channel got shut down. So. For you know, because he started doing all this transgender stuff and and you know little kids stuff and all this weird, he went a totally weird route. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was pretty much a KO after that that plane crash. Yeah, and I mean, just looking back at it now, you and I are using this word movement loosely at the time, I did believe, and I'm not too proud to admit this, I did believe that amongst this group of people, an audience of thousands and a, a core group of hundreds, I did believe that there were enough people who knew enough information that it wouldn't be too hard to eventually spread this to a much wider audience and actually make some kind of change. I did believe that. I had bought into that. Looking back at it now, it's all very funny to me. And I think as the show goes on, we'll have more fun laughing about all of it. But the point that I want to make very clear to the audience, especially those who still believe they're part of some kind of movement online today, be it Flat Earth or otherwise, is it's very easy for a well-meaning person who is new to this scene or relatively new to this kind of electronic media, Google Hangouts, Skyping, meeting new people, chatting with them instantly, thinking that they're your friends and maybe even believing, maybe even they believe too that they're your friends. It's very easy to get 
uh, to get sucked into this idea of, oh, we're going to make a difference. We're part of a movement now. We're part of a some kind of social organization that will make a change. And I know this because that's the, I don't want to say a mistake because I learned from it, but that's, it was a mistake. I, I stupidly or mistakenly believed that these people, despite their flaws, were going to be part of something important and uh, positive. And of course, I was very wrong. And so what we're going through now is, I guess, the chronology of events with that hoax busting community to show you what happened. Disparate channels come together, start their own weekly show. Weekly show is very popular. Peripheral shows start, lots of drama involved in the peripheral shows because it attracts the wrong kind of crowd. But more or less, people seem to be getting along fairly well. They have a, a Christmas special or a New Year's Eve special. There was this thing called the Golden Sheeples, a guy named Planetary Mirror, who seemed like a really cool guy. He started his own website with a poll so people could vote for their favorite hoax of the year, whether it was Elliot Roger or uh, anything else. It was, it was a lot of fun and it seemed like it was going somewhere. Then I think it was February of 2015, there's this plane crash in Taiwan. And was this an event a real event or was it a fake event? Well, they decided to have an argument about it live on the air. The two leading guys of this hoax-busting movement, Jeff C. of Free Radio Revolution and Red Pill Revolution, who I don't think uses uh, any other name, so we just call him RPR. Jeff C. and RPR live on the air have a disagreement about was this event real or was it fake? And Tim, I don't know if you can remember this all of this chronology too well, but do you remember that actual episode where this all came to a head live on the air? Yes, yes, it was it was absolutely epic. I I I believe I actually downloaded it to a couple different hard drives just to make sure that I <laughs> have it for sound bites for Jeff C. Yeah, and so they're they're doing this show. Everyone's everyone's fun, uh, friendly, fun and games. It's all good until a plane goes down in Taiwan, and that's when all hell breaks loose. Jeff says that it's a real event and that it's important that all truthers they they used to use the term truthers. I never really used that term, but that's the term that was uh, widely used to describe people in this movement. It was important that all truthers say that this event was real. Because otherwise, we all look crazy and lose credibility. RPR, on the other hand, was saying that it was a fake event which involved CGI. And there seems to be a division right down the middle between the people on the panel and the audience between saying, no, this event was real and we have to say it was real. And no, this event was fake (laughs) and we have to say it was fake. And it's funny looking back, but that took up... That what, what followed, the fallout that followed took up literally hundreds of videos and several weeks, probably a couple of months. This was the biggest topic in the YouTube truth movement, Tim. Very funny looking back. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I just, I, I think about it kind of quite a bit because it, it does go back to me thinking about how gullible I was just in the conspiracy realm and, um, I had no idea, you know, 20 or hindsight is definitely 2020. Um, I had no idea at the time what was going on. Um, I definitely had my own opinion on the matter. I, I pretty sure I thought it was real. I think I still think it was real. I don't really know, but, um, yeah, the, the, the divisiveness of that alone, um, is amazing. And, and I, I would almost 
want something or, or would like to see something like this happen almost in the flat earth community, just to see um, some of these top people actually, you know, take a, a firm stance on one side of any, of any argument and actually argue with another flat earther. It just doesn't, doesn't happen. Well, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but we did have the uh, Mark Sargent sex tape. And then we had the uh, Antonio daytime, nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, look, we'll, we'll talk about the flat earth stuff later. And again, for those who are tired of flat earth debates, we're not talking about the shape of the earth. We're talking about something very different, which is a little scene on YouTube that has sprung up around that. But the reason why I think it's important to revisit and look at the chronology of the truth movement, the hoax busting movement on YouTube circa 2014-15 is to see how many similarities there are between that and what we're seeing today. And of course, as I've said, and as Tim has said, to one degree or another, we did believe in that truth movement. And so for many people, that Trans-Asia event of February 2015 was very traumatic because they saw what they felt was uh, not just a movement, but a community being torn to shreds. They saw people that they liked attacking one another live on the air or with uh, videos that they'd upload and say nasty things about each other. And the whole thing seems to fall apart. And I guess by this stage, I already had my own show. My show continued unabated. My show was a weekly show. We didn't get involved in the drama. But even I, I guess to an extent, I found it uh, a difficult experience because Jeff C was someone who I had looked up to. He had inspired me to start my own channel. And a lot of what he did, I tried to emulate with having a, a fun show and a positive show with the ARP, I, I had looked up to Jeff. And so after the Trans-Asia event, I stated my piece, which was that it could be real, it could be fake, we should be that to discuss it. That's the whole idea, isn't it? We get to discuss things. And of course, he turned on me and the rest was history. Even for me, by that stage, it was still difficult. So for those people who were, uh, I guess, more emotionally invested in the, in the movement or in the community, it was very traumatic. Even people like uh, Chrissy Tokyo, the moderator of their chat, you know, breaking down in tears and having to go off the internet for a couple of weeks because she couldn't handle it. Uh, for many people, possibly, look, I would say hundreds. Uh, the view counts might indicate thousands. I think the view counts are very um, overinflated. I think more realistically, it was a few hundred people who were paying attention closely at the time. And for many of them, Tim, it was a traumatic experience. What say you? Yeah, yeah, I agree. It definitely is because, uh, you know, you you kind of build community with like-minded people no matter where you are. And uh, obviously conspiracy brought all these people together to one point. Yeah. Having something so uh, silly tear, you know, friendships apart and people deleting accounts and all this kind of stuff just really is a testament to the, the, the lack of um, fight or just really, I mean, the legitimacy of anything that these people were trying to do in the first place. I mean, I think it's definitely less about truth and, you know, um, a better tomorrow than it is just um, finding a, a niche of people that you can talk to when you're, you know, you can't really talk to anybody else about it. So but it's, it's an interesting uh, social aspect, the whole uh, conspiracy realm of YouTube, because, um, yeah, anybody who goes against what you think when you're a conspiracy, you know, they're basically shills or, you know, they're, they're um, indoctrinated. They're, you know, they just don't know the truth, you know? So, yeah. And look how quickly people fall into line. So there are a number of people who had decided that Jeff C was correct, or at least his position was the one that they wanted to adopt this position of no, 
TransAsia is real. Anybody who says that it's not real is harming the truth movement. They're hurting the truth movement. The truth movement won't get taken seriously by the mainstream if they call everything fake. They have to say that some things are real and this one was real. So if you don't say that this event was real, you're harming the truth movement and potentially you're a shill sent here to destroy the truth movement. It is funny looking back because we know now that it was a scene with just a few hundred people who uh, most of them had no interest in the truth whatsoever. It's funny for us now looking back, but at the time for so many people, many of whom are still here to this day in different guises involved in different scenes, at the time it did not seem that way. At the time it did seem as though a movement was being torn asunder. And so uh, one person, a guy named Justin, was like Jeffrey's 2IC. And he also said, no, we have to say this event is real. Nobody's allowed to say the event is not real. And what happened with him subsequently gives us some indication of the kind of people we're dealing with here. That character is now known as Avadan, and he is a apparently a Christian uh, religious preacher online. Tim, do you remember uh, a couple of months after the uh, TransAsia event, do you remember Justin, who at the time seemed like an intelligent, well-meaning character from um, from the US, I think, but he was in Quebec, in Canada on exchange or something, I'm not too sure. He seemed like a regular guy, a well-meaning guy, a well-presented guy. The TransAsia event happens, everything goes to crap, and before you know it, he's performing a live on-air conversion of the moderator of the show, Chrissy Tokyo. <laughs> do you remember any of this uh, and anything you want to reminisce Yeah, that was so painful, man. Uh, yeah, um, I guess ever since that breakup of We'll Do It Live, I think there was a couple months that they took off, if I remember correctly. And then Chrissy and, uh, yeah, Avadon <laughs> um, took over the show. And it was it was um, literally the worst thing that you could literally listen to. I mean, it was it was so, so terrible. And, um, yeah, he's he I don't know if he went super religious nut or I, I think he was an alcoholic or something. So he, you know, found God or whatever. But. Yeah, I somebody said that his name was Avadon, and I was like, no way, because I was thinking Abaddon, like some kind of, uh, you know, like uh, Bible mythical person or something. I, I don't even know, but yeah, he. Uh, then I looked at his channel, and he just he just literally has completely lost it. It seems almost after that situation, that whole that whole thing that went down. <laughs> yeah, and the reason why all of this is important is because. People have to understand that when things were going well, it all seemed so real. These people all seemed so genuine. It was also full of hope and optimism. And it was very easy to identify with these other people, whether you were on the panel with them, you were in the live chat, you were talking to them behind the scenes on Skype. It all seemed good. And then it only took a certain amount of time, only took one or two big events for everything, not just to fall apart, but to get to the stages where one of the main panel members of one of the main shows was performing a live on-air conversion of one of the other main members of one of the main panels of the show. And I think this gives us some insight into the kind of people who are involved. But also, we really don't know these people. We, if, if It's the type of person who would get engaged in that kind of thing, a live 
on-air conversion. <laughs> you wouldn't think many people would be capable of that, and yet no one could have predicted that prior to the whole scene falling apart. So just to recap on the, the truth movement falling apart, then we'll move on. You've got a bunch of disparate channels all doing what seems like good work, good meaning work. They come together. They start a couple of central shows. There are peripheral shows. People's regular dramas get involved. The trolls get involved. Some people like it. Some people don't. Eventually, something comes along that splits the main people of that main scene apart. People take sides. People attack one another. There's lots of drama. There's lots of commotion. There's very little truth, and there's definitely no movement. Here we are two years later, or the best part thereof, having a laugh about it. The whole thing was a joke, and I think this is very important because it can teach us something about the scene that we're seeing today. Before we do put a line underneath the truth movement, hoax-busting movement team, it is worth pointing out that one of the sides was the Jeff C side with Justin and, and all the others. The other side of that, because it became like a classic dichotomy, the other side of that little debate or argument or back-and-forth drama was the Red Pill Revolution, dearth, deep inside the rabbit hole, PK truth side of things. Do you have any memories you'd like to share about their part in all of this? You know, I guess I kind of forgot Dearth was around. He wasn't really around the chats or the panel of uh, Jeff C. I don't, I don't believe too much. Um, but I guess I remember he was doing, you know, his style of videos with, uh, you know, silly music and, you know, making everything look silly. So I guess he was part of the um, the side that was saying it was a hoax. And then <laughs> uh, those two personalities went at it a little bit. And that, that was pretty, that was pretty funny for sure. But uh, yeah, it really, it really showed everybody. It, I, I guess on the base level of everything, it really did show everybody's um, true colors um, because the Russian vids, the PK truth, these people are still um, putting out that kind of auto hoax uh, nonsense. Everything's a hoax kind of stuff. So they've continued with it. And yeah, before yeah, I think before we quit, uh, I, I would like to say for anybody that doesn't know or doesn't follow Jeff C, I don't follow Jeff C, but I believe he does uh, live shows playing like Grand Theft Auto now. And the last things that I've ever seen of him is still still transgender stuff and i mean nobody basically watches him anymore so yeah his, his career spiraled out of control and it's uh <laughs> it's never really been the same since <laughs> but but the, the reason why it's important to look at the other side is because what happened and this i think is instructive of of people's nature is that it became a dichotomy it became either you're with us the people who say it's real or with us the people who say it's fake and the drama just went on and on now at the time PK had uh, just recently done a show, I think, on Coast to Coast or with one of these um, big names in mainstream conspiracy, and that was facilitated by David Weiss of Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole. So they had built up a relationship, both David and PK. PK was involved in all the drama because, of course, he got booted from We'll Do It Live because he said the event was fake. <laughs> and, so, and then he went off on a tirade about it. So he had this big rivalry with, uh, with Jeff. So PK is saying the event is fake. And he's against We'll Do It Live now. He's got David um, helping him and promoting him and I guess revving him up to do this. David takes part in a live show with PK to go through all of the evidence that TransAsia was fake. So David was very much uh, in the thick of all of this. 
And uh, I, I think that's something that people should be aware of as well. That you know, people try and say, "Oh, you know," they, they don't seem to understand that that David has been around since before Flat Earth, okay? And he's been involved in drama before Flat Earth, and he's been involved in taking up a lot of people's time without giving much truth since before Flat Earth. This isn't a new thing for him. He's done it before, and it's also useful to understand that just because one side might be wrong doesn't mean the other side is right. And we've seen it all before with the truth movement, the hoax-busting movement, what have you. We've seen it before. Some of us have learned from it. Those who weren't there can't have learned from it if they don't get told about it by people like myself. There are some people who were there at that stage. They're still here today. They haven't learned from anything. And we'll talk about them in a moment. But uh, we'll put a line under the truth movement, the hoax-busting movement. And hello, Jeffrey, if you're out there, he, uh, he's still got a few sock puppet accounts. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this, Tim, but there's a few Jeffrey socks who are still out there. You can tell it's Jeffrey, by the way, that they write. So I don't know what that guy's shtick is, but his whole career fizzled out and um, really a great shame. So we'll move on then. So that whole scene fizzled out. If TransAsia didn't ruin it, Tim, then Flat Earth certainly did. Do you remember when we transitioned from the truth movement that was about uh, breaking down the hoaxes into Flat Earth? And uh, what are your general thoughts about that? Yeah, wow. Um, TransAsia was pretty close to that. So I've always described it as um we had our little happy truth movement so-called truth movement and the plane crash happened it fractured it and the flat earth came and it smashed it into smithereens and uh yeah it it was uh it was all placed uh, almost perfect timing it seems like um you know maybe I'm not saying that anybody was really on to anything, but maybe it was some kind of, uh, you know, deterrent uh, for something that may have been something. I I don't know. I still think it could have um, because I know we kind of quit talking about it, but I mean, the, the, uh, the views on some of Jeff's videos were, were pretty high, you know? And um, if people were to get past his ego and his voice and stuff and see some of the information they might, you know, quote unquote, wake up. But, uh, yeah, I mean that, that was all just destroyed. And, um, I think, you know, I've always pretty much been under the assumption that the flat earth is a, is a psyop, uh, just because of me just sitting back and watching what it's done. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely seems uh, manufactured or something. I mean, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, if you look at the chronology, and I really, if I had my time again, I would have uh, drawn up a little sheet or maybe even a little paint file to, to screen share for people now to look at the chronology. Looking back now with retrospect, with hindsight, the whole thing plays out so well. You've got, your, like you said, the happy truth movement. Everyone's happy. Uh, we have a big New Year's Eve special and everyone's friends and you've got the golden sheeples and everyone's getting along. Then comes TransAsia in February, splits everything down the middle, and you've got your two set teams uh, fighting, warring with one another. Now the hoaxes aren't so important. It's who's a shill and who's here for the truth. <laughs> I'm here for the truth, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you remember Jeffrey? I'm here, I'm here for the truth. <laughs> yeah, he smashed Oh, my God. He'd always smack that table. Oh. It was so dramatic. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so now it's no longer about the facts. It's about the personalities, right? Then 
in, I think it was also February of 2015, Out Comes Mark Sargent's Flat Earth Clues, Part 1. Empty theatre. This is the first of a series of clues, blah, 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 right? That takes the independent or alternative media scene by storm. It takes the truth movement by storm. And if you fast forward four months, the Ballers Skeptic Roundtable begins in June of the same year. Now, that Trans-Asia disaster, the drama from that went on into March. It went into April. Then you've got your Justin and your Chrissy Tokyos and your online conversions, and they're all a bit of a mess. Then the Ballers Skeptic Show starts in June. And, of course, the accusations of me being a shill, uh, they kick up once again. Now, Jeff tried to portray me as being on the same side as Red Pill and on um, the David David Weiss's side and PK's side. He tried to portray it as how I was on, that there were two sides and I was on the other side. Of course, there weren't, uh, there, there were two sides for most people. But for me, I was always just, well, I'll give you my opinion. There's no, I'm not anybody's team here. But come the Paul Eskelly Roundtable, I'm working alongside David Weiss. And he still has his good uh, relationship with PK. So now it's a lot easier to attack me as being, uh, on the other side, on this side of all of these paid shills who were sent here to destroy the truth movement. And so it's just Trans-Asia round two. Now we go all around again, videos being made, accusing each other of, uh, of being shills, of being nefarious, etc. And of course, Tim, it's all premised on this idea that there is a truth movement to begin with that the agencies would want to infiltrate. To you, looking back now, do you actually think Suppose you're working for the CIA. Suppose, suppose the CIA is the way that people imagine it, right? And suppose they want to stop any grassroots movements from springing up and bringing down the establishment. Do you really think they ever had anything to worry about with the so-called truth movement? Um, for some reason, I want to say, yeah, dude, I, I do. Um, I, think, I think pretty much everything is monitored, not like real-time monitored, but... Um, People that have been involved with such things probably have been somewhat documented in some way. Um, but yeah, I would I would assume that pretty much anything that goes against the government in any way, they're going to try to co-opt and um, obfuscate, you know, and um, break up like what happened. So in my opinion, it's a possible, um, it's, it's slightly probable. But, um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I truthfully don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. But I, what I do know is that for people to believe that their side is correct and the other side are paid shills, they've got to believe this fundamental premise of, oh, this movement is actually a threat to the establishment that the establishment wants to stop, which is why people can say, oh, the people on the other side, they're being paid by the CIA to be here. You know, Tim Osman's a troll to stop us or... Uh, JLB is uh, a paid shill sent to corrupt us or this or that. It's They have to believe that they're important enough to be subverted to assume that certain people are trying to subvert them. Now, with the benefit of hindsight, I don't believe that at all. None of these people are a threat to anybody, least of all the establishment. But at the time, I can still remember thinking, oh, no, there's, there is a movement here that can be subverted. So anyway, the Baller Skeptic Roundtable comes along. That was from June through August. And not just through my, I was I was one part of it, but there were many people now who were happy to talk about this topic of Flat Earth, happy to engage in the conversations, the discussions. And before you know it, our shows were outrating all of the host-busting shows, all of the shows that used to be the, the talk of the town and attract all of the crowds. 
thanks to TransAsia, thanks to the disaster, thanks to the fallouts, they've gone to crap and they've lost. It's over now for them now. Shows like mine and the shows that followed, they are the big shows attracting an audience. The Flat Earth is the new truth movement, Tim. This, this has replaced what was there prior. It used to be talking about Boston bombings, Sandy Hook. Now it's talking about Flat Earth. But really, in many ways, it is the exact same scene, isn't it, Tim? Yeah, it is. It is. I, I just find um, it, it seems to be lasting longer. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, you weren't really a part of them, but they, they started doing the 24-hour shows. Um, you know, got to keep it alive, got to keep the truth alive kind of thing. We'll do it high, and all these different shows started popping up. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you have people of various different types of egos on the panel and basically they eat each other alive. And, um, it seems, it seems like there's a cohesive group in the flat earth and a lot of people call them the potato crew or whatever, but they seem to be kind of the outliers in, in that they will pretty much have each other's back, um, no matter what. So, uh, I mean, there, there, you know, there's free Chan. It's like, I guess a flat earth channel now it didn't really used to be when I was there uh, like five months ago. Um, there's, there's more of like 24 hour flat earth channels where people come on and uh, basically discuss, you know, how they enjoy uh, being a part of, of a community. And it's exactly what I saw back then and what I was a part of. And I totally get that feeling. I totally, uh, I understand it. But unfortunately, you you put up so many blinders when you uh, subscribe to any you know arbiter of truth or this person you know uh, my Eric Dubé or or Math Powerland or Potato Crew you know you you put a, a lot of faith in these people to bring you what you now find as truth and to bring you uh, what you find now as the community you want to spend you know most of your time with. So, you know, it's, it's very similar. It's very parallel in, in many ways. Yeah, I think a lot of people say with the hoax busting community, they were just perusing YouTube one day, then they found this group of people talking about something that was interesting. They seemed happy and they seemed friendly. And, of course, any so-called movement, any wannabe movement, they want to attract new people, the same as a church. You go to a Pentecostal church, you will be love-bombed the moment you get there. They want more people to join. This is how they work. And so they're being friendly to everyone. They take in everybody. doesn't matter if you're not very popular in the real world. You'll be popular there because they want you there. They want as many people as they can get. doesn't matter if you're not particularly intelligent. So long as you believe whatever they say they believe, you're in. And before you know it, people are getting sucked in. Now, once upon a time, they were getting sucked into the hoax-busting community. Now they're getting sucked into the flat earth community, but it's the exact same thing. People are perusing the internet. They're people who are looking for something. We're all, we're all looking for something. They're finding it in an online community that they believe is a movement. It helps them to think that this is a movement. And before you know it, they're adopting their customs and the cultural practices of the people who they see as being their friends. And before we went live on the air, Tim, you were saying that one of the things you find interesting is how so many of these people will forego sleep they'll go without sleep just to be part of a live hangout or in the chat because they don't have anything else in your opinion in their in their real lives do you want to expand upon that for us 
Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the community aspect of it is an emotional, uh, emotionally based. Um, like, a, yeah, like you were saying, um, I've, I've heard just several people over just a couple of days. And sometimes I pop on these flat earth live shows just for the hell of it. Just listen to them for a minute. And yeah, some of these people, you know, I got to wake up at two o'clock, but you know, I got to wake up in two hours, but you know, I just love being on here with you guys. And you know, I don't can't, can't talk to this kind of stuff, you know, to people in, in my day to day. So it, it, it definitely, a community is a good term for it. Um, and communities do turn into uh, cults and they do have cult like behaviors. And, um, a lot of it is to, you know, find almost someone's weakness, which would be their emotional investment in, you know, said conspiracy or whatever they're turned on to and exploit it. And, um, I think people do that for sure. Yeah. And we've, we've seen it now with the hoax busting turn into the flat earth scene. It's the same thing. Once upon a time, the hoax buses were the biggest on YouTube in, in terms of Google Hangouts. Now it's the flat earth thing. There could be something that follows all of this, uh, that's different to flat earth, but does the exact same thing all over again. We don't know. The point is that most of the people who get heavily emotionally invested in this they're looking for something. They're looking for friends, what they think are friends. They're looking for truth or what they think is truth. They're lost people. And in society today, in 2016, there are very many lost people out there. And why wouldn't there be? The family unit has broken down. Communities have broken down. We've become heavily urbanized. We no longer have, most of us have no ties to our neighborhood or to our town. In my country, very few people even know the names of their immediate neighbors to the left or to the right of their house or across the street. Very few people do, especially in the outer suburbs where I grew up. So people are feeling very disconnected, but they can open up their laptop, they can click on a live show, they can take part in a live chat. If they're particularly confident, they can even go on the camera and take part on the panel in one of their shows. And so long as they believe what everybody else believes, they feel like they're home with people. Now, if you look at things like Boston bombings, that's clearly fake. It was a clearly fake event. People have cuts, scissor cuts in their pants. The the blood is a fake color. Uh, Bowman, Jeff Bowman, should have been dead moments after he had his femoral artery severed, and yet he's still alive many, many minutes later and fully conscious. The whole thing's utterly ridiculous. So you had uh, an event that was clearly fake and people pointing out that it was fake. They were being honest. They were being legitimate. They were being true. What built on top of them was a, a fake scene full of lonely people. Contrast that with Flat Earth, where it's not so obvious that the Flat Earthers are giving you truth. In fact, there are many valid reasons to believe that they're completely lying to you and they contradict themselves all the time. They'll say the stars go this way. They'll say the stars go that way. They'll say that these flights don't exist and that proves Flat Earth. They'll say that those flights do exist and they prove Flat Earth. So you've got these people who don't even necessarily have the truth. If you can build a bullshit community and a bullshit uh, movement on top of truth, Boston being fake, then Tim, what do you think you could build on top of a not so obvious truth such as Flat Earth? Uh, well, quite literally anything. At the beginning of Flat Earth, I, I feel like they, they took out or took away a lot. And I've gotten on to you about this um, and never really replaced anything with anything so it's it's like you know there's no gravity um the earth is flat i mean really 
on the base level of it, everybody knows that that is a silly concept for whatever reason, if it's pre-programmed or, or whatever, it's silly because we all learned it was a globe and we should know it's a globe. So for people to um, believe in something so uh, just blatantly silly really leads me to believe that they could probably get them to do just about anything. And, you know, some, some studies say it's okay. And, you know, some don't, but I mean, there, there's, there's people that, you know, have been professing to, to drink your own urine and stuff. So there, there are things that have come of this that you could definitely kind of predict that, um, yeah, a lot of these people are so lost and so misguided that they could probably be told to do pretty much anything. Yeah, I, or I to, think that's or right. to believe or to believe anything as well. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not sure I really worded what I said earlier. Right, I'll try this again. Boston bombings were fake, okay? And this this is pretty easy to demonstrate just with the photographic evidence that's available from the day, okay? Despite the fact that they would focus on things that were easy to prove, such as media fakery, still the truth movement, the hoax busting movement was able to turn into a social shit show and it attracted all kinds of the wrong crowd, even though it was premised on truth, on easy to verify truth. Compare that with Flat Earth where, yes, some people do believe the Earth is flat, that's fine, but if they're being honest, they have to accept it's not quite so easy to prove, especially because of the fact that the leaders, the Globebusters and these sorts of people, are contradicting themselves on a regular basis. Stars go this way, stars go that way. Plane flights do exist, don't exist, etc. Even if the Earth is flat, these people are not making a very compelling case for it. So if you can build a social shit show on the truth, then what I'm suggesting is that you can do even worse on something more dubious, such as flat Earth. And as Tim has intimated, they've even got people believing that it's good to drink their own urine. They're encouraging people to drink their own urine. They'll start a live hangout where they'll be drinking what they say is pineapple juice or something else. They'll be mocking the idea that they're drinking their own urine, even though they're promoting it to their viewers. They seem to be, and this is one example, there's many others, they seem to be taking the piss out of their audience, pardon the pun. They seem to be mocking their audience on an ongoing basis. Even things like uh, that daytime, nighttime video, how much of that was an accident how much was intentional is it possible i think it is and i think you'll probably agree with tim is it possible that there are some people involved in this who actually enjoy rubbing it in the face of people who are too dumb to know true from false you know i will have to say that that pretty much any anything and everything that's come from flat earth from the top people it seems to be very unnatural to me in almost every way as far to go as far as to say that they're mocking them, um, I can't say that for sure. But I mean, you bring up this <laughs> thing like the sex tape and the the daytime nighttime thing. It's like you you would almost have to infer after that 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 is what they're doing. Either they're, which I do believe a lot of them are, extremely narcissistic, or they are out to basically just kind of fuck with dumb people or something i i don't know but i i can't i can't say that any one of them in my list w- would be under that category i think that they just do like to be i think a lot of them are kind of narcissistic they 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 want 
kind of like Nathan said, he watches his own videos. And I, I forgot to tell him, dude, I, I watch mine like five times for some reason. I have no idea why. But there are people that are narcissists. And um, they will, I mean, it may, I think maybe a better question is, do they actually believe it? <laughs> you know, like uh, some of them could be doing it just for attention. More to me, more so than um, than them actually trying to like maliciously fuck with people. What do you think? Well, what we'll do is we'll wait for Adam to join us. I've just sent him the link. And what we'll do is we'll spend the final portion of the show, the three of us having a chat and reflecting on Flavor. Because what we've done so far is we've taken a look at Tim and what got him into this scene in the first place. We met or we came aware of each other through the truth movement, the host busting community as it was building up, as it was getting destroyed, as it fizzled away, as it was then replaced by this contemporary flat earth scene which began circa feb 2015 took over the truth movement around about june 2015 and here we are more than a year later and we're seeing much of the same social drama so i'll wait for adam to get here before i talk about any of the main personalities of flat earth but just looking at this sociological aspect of it i think we can both agree and many people in the live chat seem to be agreeing that this flat earth scene has attracted many people who simply don't have much else in their life to keep them occupied. They don't have much else in their life to make them feel special or um, connected to anybody. And this doesn't make them bad people, Tim, because if I'm being perfectly honest, I'm almost 30 years old. I don't have that many genuine friends who I can talk about anything with in the real world. And we all need that. We all need to feel as though there are people in our life who we can talk to them about anything. And they'll listen, not just because we're their friends, but because they respect us enough or care about us enough that if we're interested in it, they will take an interest if for no other reason than because we are interested. I think as social creatures, we do feel a yearning for that and very few people have that. Now, I'll just get you to put yourself on mute there, uh, Adam, because you've got the live chat, you've got the live show coming through. That's the way. So so that this doesn't make them bad people. If, if, if they have been somewhat or even largely driven to take part in this scene because they don't have that in their real life, they don't have this feeling of connection, that doesn't make them bad people. If anything, it makes them normal. That's how most people are today. They do not have people in their life where they can be completely honest about everything, and yet they feel that they've got that in these live Google Hangouts. So this isn't saying they're bad people. It's not saying they're evil. It's not trying to criticize them or to mock them. It's to take a step back and look objectively. What is it that draws them into all of this in the first place, Tim? And, and would you agree most people, I mean, you're the same age as me roughly, would you agree that most people our age don't really have that many people in their life where they can be completely honest about everything and get uh, a welcoming ear. Yeah, I think you're uh, about two weeks older than me, actually. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, truthfully, I guess going back to what you said before, asking me about me. Uh, I mean, I, I, I guess I was more active um, when I was going through kind of a like a six month breakup or with my ex girlfriend where she barely, you know, ever came home. So and then, you know, after that, I haven't really um, had a significant relationship and I move a ton. I'll get sick of a city or it'll get cold and I'll go south or, you know. So I actually personally don't have too many friends outside of online. So maybe that is part of the reason why I even continue to this day, even seeing the, uh, the farce that everything is still... Uh, join in and you know am a part of it and it sounds like what you're saying is that because of the way that you lead your life basically as uh, an itinerant 
you haven't built up many of those strong connections. I've just said that I haven't either. And what I'm putting to you and to the audience is that if you take the time to speak to people and you don't come across as, um, you know, mocking them or as in any way nefarious, if you just listen to their stories, most people will tell you they feel the same. They will tell you they don't really feel as though they've got that many friends. There are there are many objective um, academic studies that also bear this out that say that we have less friends now than we used to have. There's a guy named Robert Putnam. He released an entire book called Bowling Alone, which was all about social capital that we just don't have that many friends now compared to even a couple of generations ago. So this is something that seems to be the case based on empirical studies, certainly subjectively and anecdotally. I've seen this with many people as well. Most people do not have that many people they really care about and who really care about them, which makes them ripe for the picking when there yep. are people on, on YouTube who are saying, oh, we're, we're your friends. Of course we're your friends. We, you, you know the earth is flat, don't you? Oh, yeah, well, so do we. And we're going to change the world with this truth. We're your friends now. Yep. We'll spend hours with you in live hangouts. We'll, uh, we'll tell you how smart you are and how everything's lovely. Yep. It, these people are ripe for the picking. It's no surprise when you think about it why so many people have been sucked in. I'll just leave that there for now that we've been joined for the last part of the show by Adam Moyer, who has been watching this flat earth thing more or less right from the start. Even though many of the live listeners are familiar with you, Adam, some of the archive listeners, my podcasts, um, won't be familiar with you. So why don't you give us a minute or two, say hello and give the audience a brief overview of who you are and how you came to be paying so much attention and understanding this flat earth scene to begin with. Well, what's up, guys, John? I appreciate the invite. Uh, What's up, Tim? Haven't talked to you in a little bit. Uh, You know, it's good to see everybody. Well, talk to everybody. But, uh, yeah, I'll just dive right into it, man. Uh, You really kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's it's really like, you know, all of a sudden it pops up on a recommended video. You know, you're browsing different videos. You see this. You're like, you know, you click on it. And you get this feeling that it's breaking down walls. You emotionally become attached to it. And you feel like you're part of something and that's how they really get you. And then next thing you know, once you're there, you know, everything is being taken away from you that you've ever learned. And, and it, wow, you know, it gives you this wow feeling and you really feel like you're a part of something. And like you were talking earlier, like me and you have talked about before, you get sucked into the trap where you think you're friends with these people and that they have your best interest at heart. And it's really the furthest thing from the truth. So that's how I kind of got sucked into the whole flatter thing where it was just like, you know, you're looking for something and you you, you come into this and you start feeling like you're accepted. You're you're gaining new friends. It's this, you know, like they always say, this emotional and spiritual awakening. And I mean, it's all it's predicated upon nonsense, but it really can, it's strong, it's strong nonsense, and it can really suck you in and, you know, take you down that rabbit hole. And then, you know, next thing you realize, you aren't really doing real research anymore. And that's kind of where they get you. That's where me, Ed, and me and Ed woke up, and then we connected with Tim, and then we all started exchanging our ideas upon that. And we kind of went from there, man, and just, you know, just went at it. Like, okay, let's really try to figure out what's going on here. And that's that's where we uh, started. So let's uh, wind it back just a little bit there, Adam. So can you walk us through when you first 
found out about this flat earth thing happening on YouTube. Oh, it was probably, I mean, right around the start of all that. It was last year, obviously. Yeah, a year, year and like four months ago, something along that time span. And I think I was watching a video on, I'd like to say something about, Something about the shape of the Earth or Antarctica. I was looking at uh, Antarctica is larger than they say it is. I think it was something along those lines. And I saw this recommended video, Flat Earth, and I just figured, yeah, you know what? Let me uh, let me watch this and see what they're saying. And you know, they start getting you with those logical fallacies, like Tim always likes to call it. I've heard him say that many times before in the in the past, and uh, that's really what what gets you the logical fallacies, the things that you can see you know, with your own two eyes that have really no science behind them, no actual real math behind them, but you can see them. So it makes you feel connected to it. Like, oh, you know, I can, I can see when I go out and look at the ocean, I, it seems to be that boats aren't disappearing below the horizon. And, you know, all those type of things that when you actually apply real science and real math to it, you start to find out that they're logical fallacies, but that's kind of what sucks you in because most people, the average person and myself included, don't, so I'm not knocking anybody, don't understand advanced mathematics and advanced scientific theories and things of that nature. So when you see these things that well, it's just, like, I'll just oh, pause you there, Adam. I, I hate to interrupt. I'm trying to build. No, you're good, you're good. Now because I'm trying to, when I do these shows, I try to make it so that people can listen in the future and understand what we're talking about. So to give them some context, can you explain to the listeners your position in this scene? You started off, let me give you like a warm-up. You started off being someone who was interested in this, maybe even believing in it to some extent. Then you mm-hmm, determined yeah. or you discovered that they were lying to you. You came out against the leading uh, figures. And then, of course, um, you know, the rest is history. Take us right back to the start for the benefit of the listeners. You're just a regular guy living uh, somewhere, I think, on the east coast of the U.S., you jump on the computer one day, you find out about Flat Earth, pick it up from there, and without talking about how Flat Earth is wrong, just talk us through your experience as a person learning about this Flat Earth thing on YouTube and and what happened in your life from there. Well, I remember, okay, so Dubay's video, um, one video he had where he was going, he was doing an interview with somebody and he was going through all the different things like the balloons, how you send up the balloons as high as you can go and it looks flat all the way around, you know, and different things like that, those type of experiments, if you want to call them that, that people were doing. And uh, that's the type of stuff that really sucked me in. Like I said, the things that don't have advanced mathematics and science behind them, but they're things that you can see. So it makes you feel like you understand it now because it's being broken down to you in in layman's terms so to speak and that's kind of what makes you feel a part of something that's what sucks you in and makes you think that it's true does that does that make sense yeah and so you started to believe that these guys were actually onto something and you started mm-hmm. watching the live hangouts and uh getting involved in the chats i'd imagine yeah 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 i started and you know i remember showing the girlfriend uh we're in our basement i'm like oh you got to watch this video of dubai and you know listen to this stuff and I remember halfway through, she even kind of, you know, starts, wow, I never, I never looked at it that way. Or we're powerland talking about how all the pictures are, are fake, that they're just art, you know, depicted pictures. And then I kind of just started getting involved in the, uh, in the live hangouts and just like the chats, more actually the comments section. And then I would start talking to people in the comments, you're commenting back and forth. 
And uh, I remember I met Patricia on Facebook after one of her first shows. And, uh, you know, like I said, they just, you really feel like you're a part of something. You feel like you're a part of a community. It's this sense of belief. That's the best way to put it. I believe that the earth is flat. It's not that you know it is. It's that you believe it is. And that belief makes you feel good. It makes you feel emotionally connected to something. And like me and you talked about before, John, when you're going on emotion, you're no longer critically thinking. You're everything you do. And everything you're saying is then based off of emotion. So I got into that and then uh, the comment section. Once I got into the comment section, I started becoming friends with people like Ed, who I truly did become friends with and started talking to on the phone with our own private discussions. And we were really into it. One experiment we did was uh, one of those big, I forget what earthquake it was, but it was a big earthquake that happened. And we were timing the tidal waves, you know, when the waves reach each shore. And we were like, okay, well, if it's legitimately flat or it's not what they tell us it is, then these times are going to be different. And when the data started to come back and we started to actually see, oh, my God, the times for these waves hitting these places is actually exactly what it's supposed to be, what we're told it is. That was something that like when we did some real actual experiment, I guess you can call it, with real math behind it. That's when things started to become clear that like, okay, something we're being told here doesn't quite add up because this is a real experiment. And if the earth was flat or not what they tell us it is, these times wouldn't line up the way they're supposed to. They would be different. And it was hard. I remember that moment where we had to say to each other over the phone, like, oh my God, dude, have we been duped? Like, it was so hard, John. I'm not going to lie to you. It was... Because you, one of the hardest things to do is to admit to yourself that you've been fooled. And uh, once we were able to do that, that's when things, our eyes really truly started to become open. And that's when we started shifting our research more towards the people that were telling you these things and not and away from the logical fallacies. And once we shifted our research towards you know, the, the people that are telling you these things, as most of you know, the rest is history from there. We started finding so many different things that just didn't add up. It didn't make sense. And these people are not who they say they are. They have an agenda. And it was once you can jump out of the belief boat, and I've heard you talk about it before too, John, the, the belief that it's real. I want to believe. Once you can get past that and admit to yourself, listen, I might have been fooled then your eyes truly become open. Yeah, and let me bring uh, Tim back into the conversation here because what had happened was I was doing my Baller Skeptic show. Like, again, that was from June through August of 2015, and it uh, kind of changed show. the game a little bit. There were a lot of shows that followed uh, after that, and there were people at the time who had been involved in the hoax-busting community because, I was, because a number of us were addressing these flat-earth questions just from a logical, rational perspective no need to get triggered, no need to get angry. Let's just talk about the topic. No one's going to get hurt. They were happy to listen to the conversations and see where it went. Some of them became flat earth believers. Some of them didn't. Some of them left the scene altogether. But uh, yourself, uh, Adam, and uh, also Tim, to one extent or another, did seem to think that some of these leading flat earthers might actually be legitimate. And this might be the cusp of a new truth, a new awakening, what have you. But then before long, both Tim and Adam you seem to become aware that some of these people were nefarious. You did your own experiments or you determined one way or another that this flat earth thing wasn't legitimate. 
Then you decided to come out against Flat Earth, which culminated in that live show that the two of you did with Ed Upside Downhead. I'll start with you there, Tim. Can you walk us through your experience from the time that you realized that these people were nefarious to doing your own live show, what you remember about all of that at the time? And then we'll get into a bit of a, a broader discussion where all three of us talking about the fallout that followed. Yeah, I think uh, the baller skeptic <laughs> show definitely definitely helped me um, become more flat earth inclined at the time. But really, it, it stemmed from uh, Mark Sargent's clues, which, funny enough, I mean, that just shows how gullible I was at the time. But um, it, it painted a pretty picture for me. So uh, I think I believed it. It must have been about three weeks or so. Until for some reason, I just I really like had this thought in my mind that that maybe it wasn't true. And then it just started to grow from there. Um, I started doing my own unbiased research, not just watch, you know, YouTube videos. And um, I started to see, as Adam points out, a lot of the logical fallacies that they try to uh, portray to make you believe in in the flat earth. And, um, so yeah, it progressed from there. Um, I was pretty, I, I, I kind of almost felt betrayed at the time. I was somewhat upset, um, because it, it did seem contrived. You got people like Mark Sargent who I've, you know, found doing, uh, copying and pasting all kinds of comments on flat earth. But not only that years ago, he would do it on uh, world of Warcraft stuff. So, I mean, this guy is, you know, obvious to me some kind of a PR monkey. So that, that, that kind of led me to believe that, you know, I then watch some of these other characters and, you know, I, I do my own research. I know how to, you know, research into people and a lot of it seemed fishy to me. So uh, I'm not really sure how I met Adam or Ed truthfully, but yeah, we started, uh, we hooked up and started talking and they had a lot of uh, really good information that we didn't even come out with um, on those shows. But um, some of it we did, but, um, yeah, they, you know, at, at that point it was pretty solidified to me that it was, um, some kind of a scam or a psyop or something. So just for the benefit of those who don't have the context, what happened was earlier this year, it might've been, uh, maybe February, March, April of this year, Ed upside down head, who was a, I guess, an associate of Tim and, uh, and Adam, the three of them all put together two different shows going through information that they'd compiled on the leading flat earth proponents, people like Eric Dubay and Patricia Steer and these sorts of people, as well as some presentations showing in their way that the flat earth belief system or the so-called model simply doesn't work. And at the time, I could see that their intention was completely pure. To me, it was completely pure. They could see that there were lots of people just like them who had to one degree or another bought into Flat Earth, and they wanted to show them, A, the Flat Earth model doesn't work, there isn't one, and B, the people selling this model to you, they may be nefarious characters. Here's a bunch of information, here's a bunch of intel that has been compiled on them. And I think for me as someone who, again, had been through the hoax-busting truth movement, ups and downs, I could pretty well see where this was going. It was going to fall on deaf ears because people who have believed in a leader and believed in a, a truth they're not going to change their minds because of your evidence, especially when they never actually believed because of evidence to begin with. But I could see that the intentions were pure. Tim and Adam, can you tell us 
what were you expecting before you did the shows and how did you feel the response went? Was it what you expected? I, God, it was, uh, I guess we expected, to be quite honest with you, that we were going to be dropping this bomb on people that was really going to open people's eyes. And that might have been a little, you know, it probably was reaching a little bit uh, now that I look back on it because if people aren't ready to be admit that they've been fooled, then they're not ready for that information. They're just going to tune it out. And that's one thing I've noticed on here is it's just like people that do research these days. They come to their predetermined, predetermined conclusions and then they research things and say the first paragraph agrees with what they've come to believe and then the next six paragraphs tell you, okay, well, this is the reason why, even though the first paragraph seems, you know, real, the next six paragraphs are going to break down for you why it's not and why that first paragraph is misleading. And what most people do is they just ignore the next six paragraphs. They don't want to read the next six paragraphs. And then they walk around parroting the first paragraph to everybody they see, not telling them, oh, by the way, you know, there's a bunch of stuff beneath that that explains why what I'm saying is total bullshit, but I'm not going to explain that to you. Tim, what do you say about that? Yeah, I, I actually, you know, you kind of said that, it, you know, we didn't get much out of it, John. I believe uh, for the time, um, I think around 2,000 views a piece on a Tim Osmond channel that was total sock, had no subscribers, basically. Uh, I told you... Uh, Last uh, week, you know, I, there were definitely some people that were appreciative. And, and really, I don't think any of it was about, you know, maybe some of the, the so-called dirt that we dug up on those people. It was more about um, just kind of the emotion. Even You know, Adam Adam was instrumental in just the, the amount of emotion that he showed. And that was needed for some people to understand that it's not all, uh, you know, uh, peaches and cream it's um there are people that you know were you know there's always this thing once you go flat you'll never turn back or whatever well there, there's plenty yep. of people that supposedly went flat and they have turned back but they don't want those people's opinions to be heard so that's why i appreciate you know your avenue to do this yeah oh, yeah i didn't i don't think i said that you didn't get anything out of it quite quite the opposite uh, i think lots of people did get something out of it and as you said on our show uh, last week i did meta fay the pilot episode uh, you mentioned that 15 people, 15 or 20 people had contacted you to tell you that they appreciated what you'd done. So definitely there was lots of benefit that came out of it. No doubt about that. I'm looking at it from the perspective of it wouldn't matter what information you or I could present about any of the leading proponents of Flat Earth today. Let's say hypothetically, and I'm not saying that this is the case, but let's say that hypothetically you and I could prove with undeniable evidence that several of the leading Flat Earth proponents had been paid by an agency to be involved in a social experiment driven by YouTube, right? Driven through the medium of YouTube to see how many people they could string along a belief. Hypothetically, suppose you and I could prove that with undeniable evidence. Would that stop the majority of people who currently believe in Flat Earth from believing in Flat Earth? The answer is, of course not. Once the no. belief is set in stone, then okay. any evidence that you can give to them that contradicts it will lead to a cognitive dissonance. And John, there's several examples of this as well. There's several, several examples. I mean, a, a lot of the flat earthers will even now say, you know, oh yeah, Mark Sargent's a shill, uh, uh, definitely. 
Uh, they'll even say, a lot of them even say it's a PSYOP. Like Jeff Stewart will now say it's a PSYOP. But, it, you know, his yeah. his definition is I'm a troll and all this kind of stuff. So, so I mean, it, it, it has, it, it's happened and, and there's no breaking most everybody that, that believes in this right now. So, yeah, I mean, it's a perfect example. There's several of them. So the point that I'm making yeah. is that I think, I think that even though you guys did some terrific work, and I've said that many times, and I, I'm convinced that your motivations were 100% pure, I think at the time, if you go back, you'll find that you did to some degree think that, hey, we've got all this information on these people. All we've got to do is show it, and these people will, um, will fall down. And I think there was a certain naivety involved in that that you guys have learned from and that other people hopefully can learn from once you've got a group of people, whether it's a hundred or a couple of hundred, and I've said that I think this flat earth thing, there's a few hundred loyal devotees, maybe three, four, maybe 500. It's, it's hard to say, but there's a few hundred, which is sizable. Once you've got these people forming their own social dynamics and all of them in their mind think they've got the truth, it does not matter what evidence you or I or anybody gives to them, you're not going to stop them. You can take chips out of them and you can help a few of them pull back but the core group are going to remain the core group. And that's the point that I'm making. And like, can you guys see where I'm coming with that? Like, I think at the time you maybe Absolutely. gave people too much credit. You gave the evidence too much credit. It, it's for these people. It's not about evidence. It's about feelings. Do you see what I'm trying to say? I thought yeah. we were in a truth movement, John, the truth movement. That's, I mean, we literally posted a document of Eric Dubé getting a hundred thousand dollars. And it's like a 99% surety that it's him, you know, get from a, uh, from a vaccine nonetheless, which is just kind of funny because most, you know, conspiracy theorists are against vaccines and, you know, they probably wouldn't take them in the first place. So, I mean, with, with any information, I agree. Um, the, the core believers will, will definitely not let up on their, on their arbiters of truth. And I really, truthfully, John, at this point, I say good riddance. Those kinds of people aren't going to be, the kind of people that do any kind of change for anybody. They're just, they're a lot of them are lonely and they, they want somebody to attach to or something to attach to. And that's what they've done. Well, I'm hoping to round the show out with um, like a couple of broader questions about all of this and, and what it means to us. we got a good question from Muzz Buzz in the live chat. Why do you guys care? That's a good question. We'll get to that. But before we do, we'll just finish off this chronology because we've kind of started from the hoax busting community. We've worked our way through. Now we're at February or March of this year where you guys have done your show You've had a good influence on 15, like 15 or 20 people that you know of who've contacted you, Tim. So it's definitely been worthwhile. Even if one person contacts you and says, hey, listen, I was believing in Flat Earth and I was alienating my friends and family and, and now I realize actually um, maybe I was misguided. So thank you. Even if one person did that, I think it'd be worth it. You're saying you've got 15. So that's all terrific. Right about February, March now. Can you tell us, Adam, we'll go to you. You seems to spend a couple of months completely out of the YouTube spotlight was that at all to do with, I guess, some of the emotional exhaustion that comes from the kind of work that you've done? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, I was having some personal problems at the time, uh, you know, girlfriend shit. But, you know, it definitely, absolutely, um, I, we were emotionally exhausted after that last video that we did. And, you know, there, I was getting some really, like, hateful emails from people threatening, you know, like my physical well-being, which I thought was just so ridiculous and I, I don't want to say it scared me but it definitely startled me and what I wanted to say is that like I think it's important for people listening to know that we do not think 
you know, we're smarter than you, better than you. We're in telling you guys we were fooled. We were just able to admit to ourselves, oh, shit, we've been fooled. And now let's go from there. Like, you know, so I mean, we were sucked into it just as much as anybody else who's sucked into it right now. So I don't want people to think, you know, oh, we think we're better than you. Or, oh, what do you guys have all the answers? No, we don't got all the freaking answers. We're, we're trying to get answers, you know. But like you said to me before, what is truth? Who has truth? Who's giving truth? You know, it's, it's a really hard answer to, uh, to come by. Yeah. And the reason, I, the reason I asked you about that is because it, it is important that people understand that uh, those of us who buy into something, whether it's the hoax-busting community on YouTube and Jeff C, or it's the Flat Earth Movement and uh, Patricia Steer and these kinds of people, when you buy into this kind of stuff, it can be difficult to realize that you're being sucked in. You see, the thing about, say, heliocentrism for argument's sake, everybody believes in that and it's just normal. So if you get a bunch of people online telling you, oh, no, that's a lie, but we've got the truth and your friends now, it's, a bit, it's actually easier to leave heliocentrism behind because you've got something to go to. However, once you get there, once you get to flat earth and then you decide, actually, no, once you realize, no, this is, I've been misguided again, I've been fooled again, where do you go to from there? It can be a very alienating and lonely experience. And I think it's something that obviously uh, to one degree or another, both Adam and Tim have, have gone through. There are many others out there like you, some of them with a lot less courage and a lot less integrity, who instead of leaving the cult behind or leaving this so-called community behind, they're sticking around because they've got nowhere else. That's why I see so much felt like Adam and Tim say, hey, listen, this is what happened to me. Or in my case, it wasn't Flat Earth. It was before that. It was Jeff C. I really believed in that guy. Fortunately for me, by the time that all imploded, I had my own thing going on. But we've all, many of us have been sucked into something, okay? And there's no shame in admitting it to yourself. And to, well, there is shame, I think, though, in putting that to the side and pretending that everything's okay, thinking that things will get better. If these people are lying to you now, they'll keep lying to you. They were lying to you from the start. And I'm hoping, even if it's only one person listening to this, listening to me and Adam and Tim, they can understand this. There's no shame in admitting that you've been fooled again. But don't, don't let them keep fooling you. Don't let them keep sucking you in. They're taking advantage of you. And I'll go to you there again, Adam. These people are taking advantage of people. There's no doubt about that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're taking advantage of the fact that you want to believe in something. They know that they got you there. And then a lot of times that's when the, uh, you know, donate, GoFundMe accounts start popping up. Like Jaronism, pay for my, you know, my wife's breast implants, pay for, for my new truck. But what, what does that do to, to further the truth? To me, that's one of the biggest scams that there is. If someone wants to donate, they want to donate. If people want to ask for money, they want to ask for money. That's on you to donate as a person. But when you are donating to somebody so they can buy a new truck or their wife's breast augmentation, how does that further the truth? How does that help anything? It doesn't. It helps you. It helps your personal life. And that, that's when people are really taking advantage. Jaronism really takes advantage of people's kind nature. And I find it disgusting, you know, uh, David Pratt, you know, uh, crying in the camera with his fake crocodile tears, you know, oh, pay for me. I, I can't uh, do anything in life. I, it's so hard. But yet uh, he tells me, oh, I'm spending hours upon hours researching and making these videos. But then you're crying, saying that you can't get a job and that life is so difficult. Well, yo, dude, why don't you stop doing this and go out and 
fucking do something with your life that's positive, that's uplifting, that's going to make you money and get you out of this situation you're in, instead of sitting here complaining about it, asking people for money. I, I find it repulsive. I, repulsive, bro. It gets, me, it gets me riled up, as you can say. Well, that, that leads me to a question that we got from the live chat. And I think this is a good one now to um, get into more of a roundtable about. We've, we've all said our piece about how we came to be here, our experiences with it, what we think broadly about some of the people who are at the top of this little flat earth scene. Let's get into, a, I guess, a more of a, almost like a more meta question now. And it comes from Muzz Buzz in the live chat. He says, all right then, guys, why do you care? If I'm paraphrasing here, these aren't his exact words, but I get the question. The question's kind of along the lines of, suppose it's three or 400 people they watch these live shows, they, they enjoy the live shows, they think these people are their friends, they'll learn the hard way eventually, that's not true. Why not just let them be? We did touch on this briefly, Tim, on the show last week, but there was a few other panel members and we didn't really get a chance to have a proper chat about it. Why, once we've set our piece, once we've presented our evidence, once we've debunked their theories, once we have mocked and ridiculed the effeminate Bob from Globebusters and his millions of believers, once we've done all of that, why don't we just move on and let these people be? I think it's a fair question. I'll go first to you there, Tim. Why don't we just let these people be? Why do we still do shows talking about it? Why haven't we just moved on? Yeah, it is um, It is a good question, actually. And truthfully, there would be no purpose for me after uh, sharing my story, such as we are here. So uh, I, I think it, I, you know, I appreciate that you have a show that we talk about our story because obviously we, we uh, shared something similar back, you know, two years ago with a different community of sorts. So it's important for people to, you know, hear other people's stories because I, I really don't know. I, this is my story. That's John's story. I don't know. I think there are people that literally fell into the flat earth, like their first conspiracy. And then they figured out about other conspiracies or something. So uh, I guess oh, in that team, regard, this is the umbrella conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we hear that a lot. It's gonna, you know, unfurl them all. Yeah, you can hear it from all the real, real tough proponents. Not, not even people with shows, but I listen to some people that go into, you know, Earth debates and stuff. Like this guy Pete. Uh, they, they really believe like this flat Earth conspiracy is uh, interwoven and interconnected with all other conspiracies. So they think that if we expose the flat earth, everything else will come after that. And I just, I I have a hard time believing that because I think really flat earth would be the hardest to prove to somebody. And really, uh, you know, I think the easiest would be something like the, the, you know, fiat banking system that we have. I mean, that that one's easy for everybody. A lot of people are hurting. That's an easy one. You know, but but flat Earth is is not something you definitely want to want to bring up to somebody that has never heard of you know even a nine eleven conspiracy or something. So, so playing devil's advocate, then the, some of these people would say to you, "All right, then uh, why don't you go off and expose fiat currency and leave these people, leave these uh, flat Earthers, leave them be. They they're going to talk about their nonsense." Firstly, you and I, and I'm sure Adam as well. We all know that this thing is never going mainstream. It's never getting big. It's never changing the world. It's a cottage industry with a few leaders and a few people handing over money. We know that. Look, then I don't want to say they're harmless because they have affected people's lives, people breaking up marriages. So they're not harmless. But at the same time, you know, as someone can make a video saying the earth is flat, 
he's not forcing anyone to leave their wife of 27 years. You know what I mean? Like they're doing their thing. Like some people don't. What's stopping you, Tim, from just saying, all right, fiat currency is more important. I'm going to leave these flat earthers behind. Why, why are you still here? Uh, well, I think a lot of it is some of those anecdotal stories that you hear. Somebody, you know, finds the flat earth truth and, you know, their, their mate doesn't believe in it or, you know, they want to travel the world, you know, in a, in a little buggy and sell their house, you know, and, and spread the flat earth truth. Like your words and what you say do have implications on what they say. I mean, you exposing the media doesn't have nearly the potential of uh, just just a life being ruined as, as something as um, just a hot topic like Flat Earth does for some reason. I mean, it's very polarizing. So uh, in that regard, I, I did want to expose it. I did want to tell my story. I did want to say that, you know, debunk it. It's very easy debunkable. So, I mean... The people that still hold on to it, they just, you know, they're they're going to be very worthless to me soon, and pretty much are because if that's what you want to do, if that if you want to go and watch the Patricia Steers and all that kind of stuff and donate to them or or hope that they're going to you know send a balloon up and not hoax here or whatever, like good good luck, uh, you know, good riddance, truthfully, because you're you're going to be entertained by you know CNN or you're going to be entertained by ancient aliens or some other bullshit and you know you're just most of us are useless as far as output goes in in change for the world in general so for me I, to I mean, I, for go ahead Adam. Oh, I'm sorry Tim. I I like I was going to say I can tell you why I'm still here why I'm back why I care to answer to answer the dude the dude's question in the comment section um, why don't you just leave it alone? I, like I said, I'm not trying to attack people personally. Uh, you cannot take this stuff personal. I'm trying to ridicule bad information. And the reason why I care is because, and this might sound corny to some people, I freaking care about people. I care about the human race. I care. I don't like when I see people being fooled and sucked down a hole of bullshit. It offends me. And I think other people should be offended by it too. And I want to just help people realize that they've been fooled. I'm trying, I'm attempting to help people. If they don't want my help, that's fine. They didn't ask for my help, that's fine. But that doesn't mean that I can't offer it. That doesn't mean I can't offer a guiding hand, a lending hand. I want, I I just, that's why I'm still here. That's why I do it. Because I truly freaking care. And that might sound corny, it might sound ridiculous, but I care and uh, I think that says a lot. I mean, that's, to me, that's, that would be the answer. I care. I, I really do. Let me give you my take on this one. Uh, mine is a little bit more selfish. I'm still here for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm still learning. You see what I mean? Like even just having this chat with Tim today, we've gone back in my mind reminiscing about the hoax busting community. There were similarities that I knew of with the current flat earth thing, but there were others that I'd forgotten about. And so even just having this two-hour chat, I've remembered things that are useful to me when I'm trying to understand how people behave. I've seen, I've got more data points to use, more patterns to recognize than I thought I did. And just by having this chat, I've benefited from it. That's one typical example. But I'm constantly learning about people. I'm constantly watching people engage with new ideas and information, new people, dramas, and these sorts of things. I'm learning from people all the time. And I've got a lot more learning to go. I'm not even 30 years old yet. So I'm constantly learning from people. And whereas I could be watching the average Australian, depending on which study you listen to, watches something like three hours of television a day. And having spent much of the past six weeks 
uh, living with people or staying with people uh, who are just regular people, lovely regular people. It might even be more than three hours a day, I suspect, of TV that people are watching. I don't watch television. And even if I did, what could I possibly learn? This reality TV, the flat earth is just reality TV, YouTube, hoax busting, all the rest of it. It's just reality TV. Some of these characters might not actually be real, but neither is reality TV either. You see what I mean? It's all, at least with this, I feel as though there are things that I can learn. And I'm not just watching it to pass the time. I am studying. I am taking, I'm literally taking notes on some of these shows that I watch. I'm double checking what they say. So I'm still learning. So I'm, I'm here for selfish reasons. I think we're all here to one degree for selfish reasons. I'm learning while I'm being here and I'm being entertained. This is entertaining to me. It's sad. It's very sad when somebody leaves their wife of 27 years, right? They leave their wife of 27 years and now they rely on the computer for their friends or that little child who was on uh, Patricia's, a 14-year-old, saying that at school he's been ostracized because he believes in flat earth and then saying, but he actually said, but I've got you guys now. I've got YouTube now. To me, that's very sad. Fortunately, he seemed like a very intelligent, handsome young boy. I'm sure he'll be fine. But the idea that anyone would think that YouTube is their friend or YouTubers are their friends, to me, that's sad. But the thing is, I've kind of already done my bit to try and stop that. I've released 30 videos on my channel, Flat Earth, Critiqued, Debunked and Mocked or something like that is the name of the playlist. Many videos. If you watch a 10-minute video on my channel, there's a very good chance it took me four hours three, four, sometimes five hours to script it, to record it, to edit it, render, upload. It's very laborious. So I've put lots of time in trying to show people, no, you've been deceived, right? I kind of feel like I've done my bit. And even in this podcast, I kind of feel like I'm doing my bit, but I can't stop these people from doing what they're doing. So once I've tried, all I can do is go back, learn from them, and then where it is pertinent to do so, have fun. I'm entertained watching these people. It's entertaining to me seeing what's going on here, okay? If I could stop it, I would. I've tried. You can see that I've tried. It's there on my channel. I've tried. Now I sit back and I enjoy it. So I'm here for selfish reasons to answer your question, Muzz Buzz. I'm learning and I'm being entertained. What the hell are you here for? Tim and uh, Adam, does that all make sense to you guys? Absolutely. I know. Absolutely. We all have, we all, we all have some selfish reasons. And you know what? It's big of you to be able to admit that because a lot of people... You know, they can't admit that. And I would just like to say to uh, Mahalski77, you know, he keeps saying why attack uh, flat earthers. You know, I and I, we've said this numerous times, but I will just say it again for the record. We, You need to get that out of your mind, bro. That's what's keeping you in the hole you're in. We are not attacking individual people personally. We are attacking bad information, bad information. It's not our fault that this bad information just happens to come from certain individuals and then spread by other individuals. You're letting that, see man, you're letting that narrow your focus by getting sucked into the feelings. Why are you attacking us? Why? It's not, we're attacking people personally and individually. We're attacking bad information. And I necessarily wouldn't even call it attacking. I I just wanted to lay that out there. I'm sorry, John. Yeah, and yeah, in the live chat, Muzz Buzz says, thanks for answering, mate. Same for me to learn. Look, I don't know Muzz Buzz, so this isn't directed at him, but there are a lot of people who tell themselves they're here to learn, but they, they use the word learn in a very different way to what I mean. What I mean is I'm learning about people. I'm learning about the social and psychological aspects of this. The people who think they're here to learn, they think that they're learning about flat earth or learning about science <laughs> or facts. Totally different things, okay? If there's two, three, four, five people in a Google Hangout, 
I can learn about social dynamics and psychology by studying those people. Okay, what I will not learn from any of those people are empirical facts about the earth on which we walk, the alleged universe in which we live, or anything else. If I want to learn about those sorts of things, there are books that I can read, there is earth that I can walk, there are experiments I can do, and so forth. So you will not learn anything, any sort of third-party information from these people on YouTube. You will not. Even, for, even from me, if I tell you X, Y, and Z said you know, A, B, and C in a book, just by listening to me, you're not learning anything. If you go and read the book for yourself or double-check the scientific paper that I'm referring to, then you may learn. But simply listening to these people talk about abstract facts, that's not learning. I'm talking about learning as in watching these people in real time, the way they interact with each other, the way they respond to information. That's what I mean by learning. But I don't mean as in I think that any of these clowns on YouTube are going to teach me anything that is removed from what I'm watching on the screen. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's really... There are a lot of people who what I just said won't make sense to them. Some of these terms and concepts are beyond them. But to those of you who know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. You will not learn about empirical facts from watching a screen in your room, okay? You might learn some things about people. And if you study them and take notes, you'll learn about people. But you're not going to learn about the shape of the earth by watching a screen in your, in your lounge room. It's that simple. Absolutely. I'll let Tim. I understand, but Tim wanted to say something, so I'm going to let him take the floor. No, I just, it, it reminded me, actually, when you brought up the kid on um on uh, patricia's show there was there was another incident where there was a child on her show where you know i made a video about it and at that point i should have kind of noticed that most of these people are very they do have their blinders on for for their feels or, or what they want and you know a lot of them i think 99 percent of them didn't think that it was wrong for these people to sit up there and talk about numbers and sketch out ideas on how to, to reach the youth. I mean, that was part of their conversations live on air, how we need to spread it to the youth. And, you know, it, it, what worries me is it, it, it never really was about truth, um, but they're not exactly trying to push any kind of, uh, you know, empirical evidence or, or for people to go do their own experiments. Um, really what they're trying to do is to spread a movement. So now that we've seen, you know, tons of that, that energy to spread this movement, spread this movement, I, I can't think of any of the top flat earthers that haven't gone down the uh, money route. I mean, Patricia Steer, all these shows, Nathan's, you, watch, you, you click on any of these videos, they have now five to ten ads to watch them, watch the community interact with each other quite literally. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I might continue to try to help people maybe, maybe one a year or something. I, you know, I, I really doesn't matter to me, but for some reason, like Adam, I, I do care about people as well. And, and I don't like the, uh, the aspect of just the, the shadiness and the, the trying to funnel people into groupthink, and, you know, and, just, well, let, just let me give you a the... counterpoint to that, though, because we, we did say we were going to talk about, um, you know, money for truth, this topic, which is obviously related, but it's distinct. So let me give you my take, then we'll throw to Adam. You look at the TV show, just go and watch a TV show in prime time that has uh, television commercials. We call it uh, free-to-wear TV here. There might be 5, 10, maybe 15 ads in a typical ad break, depending on the show. With very few exceptions, they're all selling poison 
either mind poison or body poison. They'll be selling the body poison of a sugary drink or of fast food. They'll be selling mind poison of promoting a certain uh, academic institution that used to send your children to. There are poison salesmen everywhere. And so to me, insofar as some people are selling poison on YouTube, at least they're only getting audiences of a few hundred loyal listeners. Their YouTube view counts might say 20,000, but anyone who runs a live hangout and checks their stats, they know that those numbers are heavily overinflated because most people are not listening to the whole show. So at least these flat earth charlatans only have an audience of a few hundred people. And realistically, it won't ever be significantly more than that. Whereas the people on TV have audiences of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions. So if I wanted to spend my days being worried about people selling poison, I wouldn't even be worried about flat earth. It's, it's a speck. It's nothing compared to the other people selling poison. So as far as money for, uh, you know, these flat earth shows goes, it's not even a big concern for me, uh, to be perfectly honest. If people want to hand over their money to, oh, boo-hoo, Dan Pratt. Oh, boo-hoo, I can't feed my family. My welfare got cut off. I need flat earthers' money to feed my family. If people want to give him money, these people probably are the type, kind of people who would have stayed up late and watched a late-night uh, TV exercise ad and signed up for 10 monthly installments of twenty nine ninety five to <laughs> get an ab door. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're not... It's, it's fools in their money. I mean, uh, Adam, can you see where I'm coming from with this? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I sometimes myself get wrapped up in the emotion and I, I try not to and I tell everybody not to and I kind of came at, at David a little bit. But uh, yeah, no, I see where you're coming from. And I mean, it's just people are going to spend their money where they want to spend their money. And that, that's their right. You know, that is their right to do so. But when I feel like people are being misled and lied to and being taken advantage of like like i thought david like i thought you know daniel pratt was doing that's when i that's when i step in that's when i say something i I get people have a right to spend their money where they want to but uh i'm just gonna throw in my two cents so to speak and uh you know people can take it how they want to take it and that's where we'll leave part one of this two-part series I have so much more I would like to say about it, and I will do so in due season. In part two of this impromptu chat, we're unexpectedly joined by a YouTuber named Cathexis, who describes himself as a flat earth apologist. The conversation then goes off in a very different direction, perhaps even more insightful, and for many listeners, I'm sure, more entertaining than what had come before. It certainly was not what I would have expected. Remember to leave any comments, questions, and general feedback regarding this podcast at johnlebond.com, where you'll find a post entitled Impromptu Chat Number 9. Therein, you'll also find part two of this two-part presentation. I hope you enjoyed the chat. If you got even a fraction as much out of it as I did, I'm sure it was well worth your time. Thanks in advance for your feedback, and until next time, take care of yourselves.